0: Punch. Manchester City is still alive here, Balotelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! Come watch it, drink it in! They've
1: just heard the news at the Stadium of Light! Okay everybody, this is episode 23 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Let me introduce our guests. Starting off with City fan, legend Walter Smith. Hi, Walter, how are you?
0: I'm very well, indeed. I've uh, been bouncing into work the last couple of days a little bit like Zebedee.
1: Yes, indeed. Next, we have our own Queen Vic, chair of the official Chicago Man City Supporters Club. Hi, Victoria. Hello. And next, we have none other than Mank, born and bred, David Gregory. David, how are you? I'm very well, riding on the crest of a wave. Fantastic, and finally we have the man, the legend. Press Presswitch Blue Colin Savage. Good evening. Okay guys, well let's uh, get started, Walter. Going into the game. Did you feel nervous that Man United were on an upturn after their recent results, uh, putting out wins at the death against Juventus for example?
0: Well I had enough nerve inside me to feel no nerves at all walking up to the FBI. <laughs> I made sure. The Dutch courage was Nigel De Jong overflowing. <laughs> <laughs> the glass was certainly uh, half full. Um, I mean, What well, what buoyed me up so much as well, I remember looking through my d- drunken stupor at my phone and I could see the Manchester United midfield and I was laughing for a good 10 minutes and I thought there must be some mistake here because it was like planting three trees in the middle of the Etihad pitch for our uh, young whippersnappers to... Uh, Play around, so nervous only as much as, you know, no matter how good you are, no matter how much you dominate some games, you know, there's always that chance of uh, getting beat. But confident, oh yes.
1: Victoria Gregory, there was a lovely little uh, tweet that I read uh, from one particular uh, supporter and he says this, as we were walking to the ground, I saw the United team. And I said to my mate, my goodness, that's Wimbledon from the early 90s. Diggers in the middle, (laughs) diggers in the middle, pace up top, cloggers at the back. And I I, I think we'll have, we had a harder game against uh, Robbie Earl and Koko, for example. That was uh, Matic, Herrera and Fellaini in the midfield. Victoria, what did you think about that? Oh, Um,
2: it's
1: just a different world
2: we're living in now, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you watched Match of the Day 2 on Sunday with Alan Shearer coined it best where he just said, there is a chasm in class.
1: <laughs> Victoria's dad, what did you think about that starting midfield trio?
3: Um, I want to be perfectly honest, I'm not in the least bit bothered about what they do or what they don't do. He's got plenty of people at his disposal, if he chooses to pick those plonkers, very good, but he has to have faith in his own players you know he clearly doesn't when you interview him at the end of a game but what's he like when he picks a team and puts them out and we we over the years we've been obsessed with them. It's their turn to
1: be obsessed with us. Colin Savage, what do you think about this wonderful line from Barney Ronay in his piece? He says jo- Jose Mourinho's starting midfield of Mattich Herrera and Fellaini was a fascinating prospect. A collection of medieval siege towers wheeled out onto the Etihad Stadium pitch to confront City's elf army.
3: <laughs> I read that article. It was a return to form for Barney, who's not been um you know, he's putting in a few four out of ten performances recently. But that—that uh, that is exactly what I expected from them. Uh, I expected that midfield, particularly with Pogba being out, because I, you know we knew what they were going to do. The plan, more plan, was to try and contain us as long as possible, then perhaps bring the more creative players, Mata, Sanchez, uh, Lukaku, on to try and nick something at the end. But uh, unfortunately, Plan A failed within about 10 minutes. Victoria, what did you think of
1: Sergio's haircut?
2: Oh, marvellous, isn't it? We're actually uh, trying to get one of our branch members in Chicago to
1: uh, emulate that, in that look as well. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, you know, guys, don't, don't feel bad about going grey. Just go Sergio. <laughs> <laughs> the plan, I, I'm reading this quote, the plan to starve the city front line by packing the midfield with various shades of shit house looked especially naive in the opening ten minutes or so. How how was the first ten minutes for you, uh, Walter? Well it was interesting.
0: When the game kicked off, I mean I looked at uh we did a load of passes together which ended up uh with Bernardo Silva who wellied it at the net and I'm not sure if De Gea got his hands to it or not. But if De Gea did get his hands to it, that was the uh that was the, the first time a Manchester United player touched the ball. And then we had the strange, uh, I don't—I blame it on his hair, where Aguero just uh, went through his legs as he was running on. And I was expecting him just to slap it in the back of the net as well. I mean, that first few minutes, I mean, again, I watched Match of the Day and it said it was 87% possession. Manchester United had made five successful passes before we scored in the 12th minute. And we'd made 96. I mean, this was just... As I said, a vulgar display of power. I, I often think Mourinho just decided to get the three workhorses in the middle because he's seen it was quite, well, it was more effective when uh, Tottenham did it at Wembley. So I'm wondering, with his 50 odd million pound player sat on the bench, and Fred, you know, Pogba is however many million pounds player up in the stands. Just absolute dreamland Was them first few minutes and then dreamland and went, when we scored.
3: But we killed that plan to have that. Uh, we killed Mourinho's plan because Herrera was going to man mark Silva. Silva went out wide, uh, David Silva. Uh, I think Matic was supposed to mark Bernardo. Bernardo dragged him, dragged him out wide. And that well, just left fair. Fellaini, you know, and you know, Fernandinho. Well,
0: I, I, I almost gave um, Herrera the man of the match for City. I thought he was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> shocking for them. <laughs> and Oops. most things he did bad ended up being to our advantage.
1: David Gregory, it didn't take very long for us to score a goal number one. Can you talk us through that one for us? Yeah, the the, the little flick round the corner from David
3: caught them all out. They didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, let's face it, we don't know what's going to happen either. But put Sergio in position. I think there was a little element of fortuitousness that Bernardo got to that ball. But wow, once it came in. Uh, Smalling should actually have been sent off for the foul he committed on Sergio. Uh, and the comment from Gary Neville was, it doesn't
1: matter. Uh, Colin, do you agree if that hadn't been a goal, would it have been a penalty?
3: No, I'm not sure I'd have trusted um, Tony Taylor to give us a penalty <laughs> and do the right thing in that circumstance. Yeah, it certainly it all happened very quickly. I, mean, I was right in line with that. And I'm just watching the ball uh, Saw sort of Aguero go go tumbling. Obviously, when I saw it on TV, it did look like he should have had a penalty, but uh, I'll take the goal. But, yeah, would you trust Anthony Taylor?
1: Oh
3: yeah. I if, know I, was... you know, if 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 uh Silver had missed or you know, Silver hadn't been there and we'd have been relying on him to give us a penalty and Actually red, uh... it would have been a red card. No, actually it might not have been a red card because you don't yeah. do that for denial of a player goal
1: scoring opportunity anymore. Actually, Victoria the, the of course the choice of referee was pretty controversial, but um, mm-hmm. how did you how did you feel uh, about his performance?
2: Uh, I have to be honest, I thought he did a good job on Sunday. I think we went into it expecting it to be the opposite, expecting him to uh, be, you know, tearing off his referee shirt and seeing his rag shirt underneath. But to be fair, I think he did a really good job.
1: Walter, uh, Benjamin Mendy was pretty restrained in this game, actually. He was pretty disciplined, and uh, I thought he did all right. What did you think of him?
0: Yeah, Benjamin Mendy seems to have matured as a player and also as a human being, in many respects. You know, you look at his... uh, Pep's obviously got into his head, and you know the way Pep is. You can imagine upsetting that man, and him just turning... You know, you seen the way he was with Raheem Sterling at the end of the game, grappling with him, and you can just imagine him doing that in training with Benjamin Mendy. You know, it's it's a case of uh, it's a case of if you're tweeting out nonsense and you're on Instagram, and that's how you live in your life, that's going to be very much secondary in your life to being a professional footballer. And it seems to be taken on board um, the lessons from Pep, and we're not looking at his marauding left back so much uh, that, that provides the width sometimes, especially when you're playing United and they've got some, you know, fast players up front. We're learning as a collective, you know, play those type of tactics when we're playing in Southampton's whatever of this world. But when you're playing the, the teams that can hurt you, you need to be more disciplined. And he seems to be taking it on board and learning.
3: And I think it was a touch of genius to send Fabian Delph out. In the interval and warm up. He was the only sub that was doing it. So that was a very clear message to Ben to say, he's ready to come on whenever I want him to come on. And I think Benjamin Mendy had a, a little bit much, well, a much better second half than he did a first half. For me, it was a game of two halves. We stuffed him in the first half, we smashed him in the second.
1: <laughs> Colin, what did you think about the, what most people are hailing as an absolute David Silva masterclass during this first half?
3: I mean, he just does this every game now, doesn't he? I mean, as I've said before about David, my criticism, criticisms of him, two main criticisms of him were, um, he didn't score enough goals and I didn't think he showed enough leadership when he should have been doing as a senior player. And, and I've said before, you know, he's answered those criticisms. He absolutely leads us on the pitch now. And you know he's putting the ball in the back of the net. But I, I compare that first, um, if you look at the first half as a whole, um, and particularly appropriate as it was the 100th anniversary of the armistice it was a bit like the start of the first world war where the germans had the von schlieffen plan to, to get to paris quickly uh, a lightning strike to paris and then they, they kind of got stopped and got bogged down uh and it, it was trench warfare and i think um it was a bit like that first 15 minutes we just went crazy uh we were just all over them and then we just sat back a little bit, and the one thing I'd say about David Silver was, he was a, the, the guy who should have been driving us forward perhaps, was was, was maybe a little bit conservative
1: in, in that kind of half hour up to half time uh, Guys, what do you put down the, uh, I'm going to ask this to uh, David first, there, there was a bit of a drop off, wasn't there by City where he was sort of pinging around and not making much progress for quite a long time in between it and, and after that uh, what did you put that down to David? I think we're getting a little bit spoiled with with some of the performances. Um,
3: and it's perfectly understandable that that harrying and the pressing and the always moving forward and the passing does take an awful lot out of you. This was you know, home games, admittedly, but it's a lot of games in a relatively short space of time. We were never, under any real threat, the huffed and the puffed, so I can understand you know, they Take the foot off the gas, much as we don't like to see it, because as I say, we're spoiled. We're, we're looking for fours, fives, and sixes every game. Yeah, well, I, I sort of understand. I sort of understand why. Thinking back to last season's game, I, I could understand why they perhaps might be a bit more cautious. But it was only one um, nil, and I think I say, uh, Davis Silva had a wonderful game. But I think in that half hour, twenty-five minutes up to half time. I think it was a little bit too conservative. Um, we were a little bit, I don't know. Um, we were a little bit hesitant, perhaps, to make that run, to make that pass, to, to you know, to put those movements together that we do so well. So uh, I wasn't. I, I, when it's one nil, and thinking back to last season, and one of the things that we'd said be, we'd said before the game, talking was, and, and I, I agree with Walter. I wasn't nervous at all for this game, not not one little bit, but. We were saying, yeah, we you know we should win. On paper, we're by far a better team. We should win. But th- they can always pull something out the, out the fire. Now, I was less worried with it being us because we tend to be stronger in that last 20 minutes of a game. So I was a little bit less worried. But even when it was 2-1, and I'm sure we'll come on to that in a minute, um, I was, and they had a little bit of a spell putting some pressure on us, I was still nervous because
1: there's always this fear that we haven't capitalised enough on our domination. I don't know if you noticed this thing that I didn't see, you know, at the time, but I saw on later replays, re- but it was like Fernandinho grabbing Mares by the shirt and, you know, and, and you know, having a, a real go at him for um, I'm not exactly sure what. Did you see that moment? I think um, there's an Algerian death squad after
3: Fernandinho now, of course. Um, but I think what, what Fernandinho was saying to him, perhaps we shouldn't say this given some of the stick that Fernandinho gets about tactical fouling, Uh, I think he got a penalty play go past him. I think Fernandinho was saying, "Grab his shirt,
1: yeah, like this." That's interesting, David Gregory. What do you think about this whole issue flagged up by our dear old Duncan Castles about uh, tactical fouling? Any straw that you can possibly clutch. it. It
3: started after the um, the Tottenham game with Gary Neville singling him out. And talking about the dark arts. And it's very clever. Derby coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Let's, you know, just a little niggle here. Sow that seed. When you actually look at the stats, he is one of the, what caused, you know, commits the least number of fouls. In that position, Gareth Barry, bless his cotton socks, was the most, the the one who committed the most fouls in the Premier League, of all Premier League players. it, It probably still holds that. That dubious distinction. The nature of that role. Every player in every team that is in that role will get booked.
1: Here's a quotation: uh, David uh, Duncan Duncan Castle said, "Another big result for Abu Dhabi's financial doping. Another game where, <laughs> another game where Fernandinho followed Guardiola's tactical filing orders, unhindered by a caution."
0: So I just think it's absolute nonsense. I mean, I've listened to Duncan Castle's before. And I just, what annoys me most is no one questions what he's saying on the uh, Transfer Window podcast. Don't listen to it, Blues. Can I listen to this one? Because it'll only But I'll listen to it for you, pull it to bits. do <laughs> I Castle is, is uh, I mean, nobody, he's talking about this era of dominance. <laughs> well, it's one of those, just this, this era of dominance and how bad it is for football. When United won five leagues out of seven, nobody said jack shit about this idea of dominance and it'd be bad for football. It was what a genius Alex Ferguson was. When Paul Scholes was tactically fouling anybody that came on the pitch, oh, he's just bad at a tackle. You know, he's not the best at it. He's what a wonderfully creative player. The way they change the narrative to suit the, the bullshit lies that Duncan Castles comes up with astounds me. And I just the, the thing that upsets me more is the idea that he's not challenged on any of this absolute nonsense. He was talking about us paying seventy five million pounds for Bernardo Silver on the last podcast. You know, and he was, then, then he started talking about this school thing class, and the guy said, well, hang on a minute, Kevin De Bruyne wasn't playing. He was, oh, well, we've got Bernardo to come off the pitch, you know, because they've got a deep squad. Yeah, Duncan, it's a deep squad because we're class apart. We just, you know, that's the whole point, you, you it But, you know, Duncan Cassius makes a living from being stuck up Mourinho's arse, and I'm sorry, him, you're going to swear well, that amount of uh, nonsense and spout it. He should be on more money.
1: Victoria, somebody who I think is much more entertaining to watch on your Twitter timeline. I don't know if you've seen this guy. Mark Goldbridge, the new uh, Alan Partridge? <laughs> oh,
2: I can't bear to watch any of that nonsense. Like, I just ignore it. I've, I think i muted him now on Twitter and anything to do with him. The countless accounts that keep getting set up under
1: his name. Guy's just a tool. I, 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 think it's very, very funny watching him every time oh. a goal goes in. It's like uh, every time a city goal went in, he was absolutely, uh, you know, incredibly funny to watch. You just what was he came out with Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park. This, this is terrible. This is, this is, you know, this guy's complete meltdown. But. Um, Back to the game, guys. Talk us through number two, Walter. That was just, that was a wonderful goal, that one, wasn't it?
0: Well, it's um, people are laying the blame at uh, David De Gea, and I just think for me there wasn't a great deal he could do. He did the free kick out, which went to Lingard, who messed it up and got robbed uh, by Is it Fernandinho? And then uh, he gets the ball up to Aguero, and it's a one-two. And I'd love to know the speed of that ball that was going at De Gea. Because he, you know, you're taught as a goalkeeper, you shouldn't have your hands just straight above your head. The shot comes in from a tight angle, and he whips his hands up, and it goes like a millimeter between. Doesn't touch either thumb, just goes a millimeter in the perfect place. So I don't blame him in in any way, shape, or form for that. But it uh, it was—it's that sort of you know that Pep system we were talking about, Mares, and the link between where a player should be. And then, where you delivered the ball was perfect for Marez as well. He's just cushioned it into Agueros, who I don't know if somebody, De Gea, said something to him at half time about his new haircut or not, but it was an angry leash. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just yeah, like that, a bullet, wasn't it? You know, it, that, De Gea may as well be trying to stop a bullet with his face, you know? It, it wasn't sh- going to happen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I watched that. I just watched the highlights before it came on again. Wow, well, you know, any excuse. And. Um, <laughs> That, that ball from Marrez was just perfectly
1: weighted. Yeah. He just dropped at Aguero's foot at the right pace. Brilliant. Victoria, there was nothing really De Gea could have done about that one, really. It wasn't his fault at all. I, would you agree with that?
2: Well, he's a goalkeeper, so yeah, I'd say it's his fault he didn't save it. <laughs> um, I don't think there was much going to save it, but yeah, it's his fault he didn't. Uh,
1: Victoria, yeah. it, it's, it's difficult to find any negatives, of course, but is it time to talk about Ederson? Because that was a carbon copy of what he did in the last game.
2: Oh, was, I was I was gonna say, can we take a few minutes to talk about Edison? Because yeah. his distribution, his passes, like what several of them where it's to Sane. and it's just perfect every single time.
0: Just, yeah, he was just midfielder on the pitch, wasn't
3: he? he, he, he he's, he's, he's got his own biggest critic and he certainly doesn't need any of us to, to be didn't, didn't he make more successful passes than the three of the United midfield put together. Did I see a star that said
1: something like that? It's yeah. the way he chips the ball. Yeah, he'll chip the ball 30 yards. And... Do we need to be a little bit concerned, though, guys, about the way that he comes out when he doesn't need to? Not
3: at all. Not at all. Yeah, no? yeah, 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 yeah. And every now and again, it's going to go wrong. But, you know, that's the second time in a week it made, you know, it's his own stats that I worry for because, you know, that's two goals he's conceded. That's two clean sheets he really deserves. And I think he'll be very, very cross with himself. But, you know, it is the nature of the lad. That's the way he does it. And somebody will try to exploit it in the future. But I think he'll be a little bit more, a little bit, only a little bit more cautious. And sometimes, I mean, as we said with well, with the Charlie Austin last week, if you could, you can't stop yourself when you've already started to slide, but you've come so far. Mm-hmm. There's no way Lukaku was going to do anything with that ball even had he got to it. Yeah. With his control, uh, he would probably have put the ball out for a goal kick. But, you know, it's, it's churlish to complain when we have such a wonderful talent at our disposal.
0: You wouldn't so swap him for anyone else in the Premier League, would you?
3: I was going mad at that because it was so unnecessary. But you can't yeah. blame that. He must get... Four well, out two of them, he didn't have a shot to save, did he? A couple of punches, and that was it. If they were mentally scarred before they came, you know, it's like dangling that little <laughs> miss to the <laughs> You've got chance now. If you could take it, oh, you can't, never mind.
1: You know, we could do it without it, not, not a big deal. And back to the game, what about that third goal? We're going to ask uh, David to talk talk to us about that.
3: Well, it, to all intents and purposes, it just looks like possession football. You'll pass it to one of your own. Keep the ball. They they did not come out with any kind of effort to try to get the ball. Uh, Lukaku, I think, came forward. Well, they, they played it round him in a little triangle, made him look like a right donkey. A few minutes later, Mata came out. Say came out. Took to another ten feet forward from the line. Mourinho had told them to occupy. Uh, they did the same with him. Just passed it around, and he's sort of putting his arms out, looking at all his teammates, and saying, "Come on, lads, let's try and do something." And it was just keep it, keep it, keep it until Bernardo saw Ilkai was in the perfect position, and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> Sorry, we all breathed sigh of relief when that went in, because as Walter said, there was and Colin, There's always that danger. You know, two one is not a very good score line. Three one, obviously, it's finished. It's done with.
1: He uh,
0: finishes it, two-one. It's a great
1: score, though. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, what did you think? That that was a really dizzying carousel of, of wonderful passing, wasn't it? And, and then Bernardo just decided at one stage he just had enough, and off he went. Well, I um I compared it to a chess game,
3: where you know you're moving your pieces around and you're making seemingly seemingly innocuous moves. Uh, your pawn, your knight, your bishop, and, and and there's seemingly no danger, and then. All you do, what you're doing is setting up, setting up for the kill. So, you know, you make that killer move, take the opposition queen out, get the checkmate. And I, I, I noticed um, a few, I, I watched this, I've just watched this about four or five times. And I think, as Davy said, they they made little attempt to win the ball. I think only Matter made made a, a semi-serious attempt to actually uh, regain possession. They were more concerned, and this, this is very much a United thing, they were more concerned about blocking off the passing lanes. So, and at one point, Gundogan was being shadowed by Fellaini, being marked by Fellaini. And Gundogan goes, you know, move, goes up the pitch, Fellaini follows him. Gundogan goes down the pitch, Fellaini follows him. And then about halfway through that move, about 20, I don't know, 23, 24, 25 passes in. Fellaini sort of drifts. We move the ball back, and, you, and it's funny, you watch the United lines move up. And then we move the ball back, and you watch them move back. It's like, um, you know, like a table football game of, of, of sorts. And Fellaini um, sort of comes forward, uh, and then he goes back, and then he leaves Gundogan alone. And you see him looking over his shoulder just to check where Gundogan is, but he's nowhere near him when the ball get for the kill, for that killer checkmate move. When the ball gets to Gundogan, and Gundogan's then got that space in front of him that he can just run into, takes the ball into the takes the ball towards the box. And of course, it comes to Sterling, and you think the opportunity's over. Then the ball comes out to Bernardo and he puts one of those amazing crosses that he puts in right to Gundogan's feet. And Gundogan has been very clever because he's taken a step back from Matic. But where they... I think Smalling was behind him. Matic was in front of him. Where um, Lindelof was, God alone knows, I think he'd gone for a cup of tea or something. And was dead clever. He just takes that step or two back from Matic. He doesn't see him go. And Bernardo just drops the ball onto his foot. And it was an amazing piece of control. He just... Kills it with his left foot, uh, and the second touch is in the back of the net.
1: Victoria, what was your uh, reaction to that one? Someone described that goal by Gundogan. They said that it was actually a lot more uh, difficult than it looked. It's like he, it's like he had a catcher's mitt on his foot before he put that one in. It was struck in very hard, and he was deadly from 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 there. What did you think about that one?
2: Oh, it was just fantastic, and uh, we went crazy in the pub in Chicago. We also we had one. One United fan stood near us that was trying to give it give it some mouth. Um, so obviously, when that one went in, there was the old uh, "It's all gone quiet over there." Champ resurfaced because <laughs> he didn't have a lot to say after that was scored.
1: Uh, Walter, did you get a good view of that one?
0: Oh, I got a great view of it. Uh, <laughs> it was forty-four passes. I mean, there's loads I could say about this. I love the fact that someone's done a banner. You know, like the old Trafford one, and instead of saying the thirty-three to thirty-four <laughs> years, you can see the thirty-three <laughs> to thirty-four passes. I mean, we're talking, Colin compared to a game of chess. I just thought it looked like, you know, them cats that you get, get a mouse and they just let it go. Boom, boom. <laughs> um, we all know what's going to happen, yeah. but the poor little mouse doesn't. And that was United. And, uh, the is, you know, just a fantastic shot stopper. But have you noticed all three goals, the guy doesn't come off his line at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. He's glued to it, you know, and, one. I mean for me what I was hoping when I was just thinking of Edison the ball comes in like that Edison goes in with two fists and a tattoo to boom it out of the box you know but the Hayes just sat there on his line what? it's Ashley Young behind him who's just playing everybody on which thanks Ashley that's your second favourite moment behind the Heiser bird shifted
3: in your where mouth at
0: Old Trafford but <laughs> I mean but
3: where was where was Smalling and Lindelof the two centre-backs oh I have they were,
0: uh, who, cares? who cares? I mean, yeah. I, had my I him a day behind it, and he hugged me. Um, yeah, that's just uh, after numerous pints. We just—I don't know who we fell on or fell over. <laughs> but, uh, Dave was complaining about bruises, but to be honest, uh, I just think it was on that much of a height that I've no bruises on my body and no hangover the next day. Everything was good. So, I mean, well, that goal was good. Walter, uh, Walter, we've got to
1: say to you, your mate Dave Leland put a tweet out there and he said that you took out half of the stand with your celebration.
0: This is all very possible. I mean, I'm just, it was just a, a moment of pure, unadulterated joy. And, you know, instead of Victoria singing at one man united fans, <laughs> the ground was singing at 3,000 United fans. They couldn't leave quick enough. You know, the fire alarm had gone off, the stream's going out. They didn't know what had happened to them, and, and that was the most pepalicious goal I think we've ever scored. Maybe the one for uh, we scored against Arsenal last year. With Sani bagged it as well. But forty-four passes, you know, count them, rags. Just count them.
3: Two minutes. You <laughs> two have minutes. To, we had that ball. Oh, two minutes of pure heaven, pet heaven. Of course, you know? of course, of you, course. course. You have to feel for players who have gone into that game mentally exhausted after. Who <laughs> <after, laughs> yeah. <so, It's> <laughs> yeah. I Bob? A, a, a long trip out to Bournemouth, <laughs> a, a long trip to Turin, where they didn't have a chance to celebrate their famous victory because the manager riled the crowd up to such an extent they all had to come off. And they, all, of the, all of it was you know, at this wonderful comeback. If they'd have been so wonderful, they never came back against us. It's just that might be the goal of the season. We're still going to a separate competition for the excuse of the season. Mentally exhausted and battle-scarred from Tua really, They it.
0: do the goal of the season on Match of the Day and it shows all of them. You know, all the players who've scored all the different goals and you think, oh, you know, got some incredible talent going on show. If it's a new moment of the season, one to 8 would just be Jose Mourinho <laughs> just speaking out of his arse, wouldn't it? You know, he's just an excuse. He
3: just spins Edison? the wheel and wonder where it lands. Did you catch Edison in the tunnel? Who's going really <laughs> <brilliant>. <laughs> to Mourinho?
1: <laughs> has anyone said uh, cheeky bugger? So, someone sent me
3: a video of that forty-four passes set to the Benny Hill theme music <laughs> really and <on>. It's really <laughs> funny. But Just look at my Twitter feed, so you'll find it.
1: Victoria. After the game was over, Mourinho explained to everybody why it was that uh, United had not been successful on this occasion. He said. I can imagine if the result was 2 1 to bring on a fresh Fellaini, then they would have been in big, <laughs> big trouble. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, when they brought uh, Lukaku on, it was going to just be like, like hoof ball down to him now. And that's exactly what they did, like within the first few seconds of him being on the pitch.
3: Just hoof yeah. it in his direction. The one player of theirs I do fear a little bit is Juan Mata. I think he's a very clever, very good player, and, and he's a bit like um, Gundogan in that respect. He'll pop up at the right uh, place, at, at the right pop up in the right place at the right time. So when he come, he came on. I think it was two one, wasn't it? And I think Mahal. I, I was starting to panic a little bit then. Uh, and you know, Sanchez probably had a lot to prove against us, but. Um, you know when Fellaini's, you, we've seen, haven't we, United games? You know the the one 0 uh, down, and with uh, you know twenty five minutes to go, on comes the big Belgian lump, uh, uh, and the hoof and the hoof ball starts. And, and, and you know, and it's successful for them. But you know, if you think this is Manchester United, and, and this is what i was saying. I think to sum up, sum up this game. Obviously, we have beaten them before. I mean, most of the time, at Old Trafford, there was a six one and, and other games, but. Take it. Take it, take it, take it, Walter. But there was something about this game which was almost almost like a line was crossed. Because even when we beat them 6-1, we were still in our faces a little bit. You know, it was the only goal difference we won the title by. We've beaten, you know, we've beaten them before there and, uh, and at the Etihad. And they've always been there or thereabouts. I mean, no they finished outside the top four, but this time it felt like we showed them up for being a mid-table team, which they are. Fellaini, thing sums it up, doesn't it? Sums up what they've become.
0: Well, i was saying that. I mean, if you're talking about the biggest team in the world, the so-called biggest club in the world, relying on a talentless lump like Fellaini, the bar has just been lowered beyond belief. I was saying this to United yeah, fans yeah. on basis. You know, you're talking about top four, and I was like, hang on a minute, mate. When Fer- Can you imagine every single time Alex Ferguson finished second in the league? That was just a complete disappointment and failure to him. I only yeah. think United went on to win the league after. The Aguero moment because he trapped them in that Sunderland dressing room and just just sort of spoke to them, you know, about this whole idea of failure in the small margins. Because you know this was a team that we just beat across the line, and you're looking at this team now. This is the worst United team I can remember for twenty odd years, even maybe even slightly more. You know, once you're talking about a top four finish, as a, you know, as, as a Manchester United fan, if that's acceptable to you. You need to go and have a, just word with yourself about how Mourinho's just lowered and lowered and lowered the bar. You know, they've last year, yeah. so we need
3: to keep this down in case any rags actually do listen. He's only halfway through the job we want him to do. <laughs> <laughs> and finish the job. This is the complete <laughs> destruction of this club. And he does such a wonderful job. He deserves all of our support and all of our encouragement. Well, he, do, I mean, he does deserve
0: our support, in so many respects, but it's so much higher up as well. You look at, they've got 12 players out of contract this summer. Now, some of them are shy, right? You've got Smallin and Jones, but you've got Matta there. And then you're looking at, well, hang on a minute. They're squad players that, regardless whether they're shy or not, they still do a job. And they need replacing. So you've got 12 players there, potentially. And people talk about a 300, 200, 300 million pound budget. But once you start factoring in that you've got to replace all these 12 players or not far off it, you know, that's not going to go far. I mean, Duncan Castles was going on again that 200 million would be easily enough to bridge the gulf. No, it won't, because the whole structure of that club is rotten. And as City fans, we know the stench of a rotten club because we've experienced and seen it. And that's happening over there. You know, the whole structure isn't right. And Mourinho is just the icing on the cake because he's too stubborn, uh, you know, to see any of his own faults on top of that as well. So I've got a feeling there's going to be big, big problems
3: to come there. Mm. Yes. Yes <laughs> but, you know and, and the that are out of contracts are the ones probably on the lo- at the lower end of the wage scale yeah anyone they bring in they're gonna have to pay at least as much. And I think I can't remember if I said it on the last podcast but for the first time in about four to five years, looking at their cash flow statement they actually burned through about 50 million pounds for the cash. So normally they will generate 100 million 120 million pounds of the cash they burn through they spent 50 million more. Forty-eight and a half million more to be precise than they own. They've got to their people they owe money to for for transfers. That figure's gone up. If they're not in the Champions League, you know they're going to struggle to attract the sort of players they need. They uh, they're going to be short of income, Uh, and if they're not in the Champions League for two years running, I think they've potentially got a um, semi-serious problem.
1: Back to City again, Uh, Victoria. Were you having a little bit of a moment of déjà vu in the final few minutes? When City began to do that piss take again, where they just sort of <laughs> knocked the, knock the ball
2: about. I just, I, just, I just want them to do that every time we play United from here on out. It was just, yeah, tremendous. And I don't think you've seen the, the video huh? that somebody's put to MC Hammers, you can't touch this.
1: <laughs> uh, Victoria, was was Pep right Was Pep right to have a go at uh, Raheem for showboating, do you think?
2: Is that definitely what he had a go at him for? I'm or was not it That's exactly going sure to go I don't know. I, I can't believe that it was for that showboating. <laughs> the fact that it just annoyed Juan Mata was enough. He didn't like it. He doesn't like that showboating, does he? Fellaini came in and put the ball out
3: for a corner. He also wrapped Raheem's ankles at the same time because Raheem went down quite heavily. And that, I think, is, is more the point, is particularly with mm-hmm. thugs out on the field, if you are doing that, you run the risk of actually getting yourself injured because it's very much a case of, you know, I'll show you, you know, it's, it's going good to 30 years, you know, you, you wouldn't have done that to some of the players 30 years ago. No, I
0: just, I just love the fake outrage by United. <laughs> I mean, someone put a clip of Ronaldo well, just doing exactly the same and they loved it. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to have your, yeah. your standards and stick with them. What, what he showed was,
2: us, and, you know, respect for not showing us respect well, when you <laughs> earn respect
3: we'll show it to you regardless of the respect the way we worked that ball in such tight spaces yeah. was absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. you know, it was you like, as well yeah 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 can you imagine mm-hmm. what it must have been like for him you know a city local city supporting <laughs> lad in the 90th minute of a derby <laughs> you know taking the piss out of United <laughs> Doesn't
1: get, doesn't get better than that, does it? Oh, no. Were there any other moments in the game that, uh, that you would like to comment upon? The Sane penalty incident, I only saw it in real
3: time. Did anyone see it on the yeah. box? Uh, uh, a couple of times. I, the more important was Gary Neville's comment on Sky. Uh, well, he only put his hand in his face, <laughs> <laughs> S- Sane wouldn't have got to the ball anyway. Well, he won't when you smacked him in the face. <laughs> it's ironic, but this is the man that went on and on and on about Fernandinho's dark hearts and you've got Smalling in the first instance when Smalling fouled Sergio, Gary Neville says, Well it doesn't matter and then same same player smacks Leroy But it's only a hand. It's only a hand say hand off in the penalty area? Really? I love
0: the fact that <laughs> Gary Neville, because he's hurting so badly at the moment, can't hide. His uh his allegiances <laughs> to United. He just can't Oh no Graham no. Sudus was there like that. Like a man with a finger just poking. Like I go so so just to so Gary, do you agree poke? Poke, poke, <laughs> He doesn't <laughs> shut up and just laugh his arse on He's looking at both these two legends. you not to laugh. yeah. Well, oh, I've, seen f-
2: just... I've seen a few clips of both Gary Neville and uh, Skulls talking after the match, and I'm not able to focus on what they're actually saying, because all I can hear in the background is the sound of silence starting to play. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, actually, a career in politics beckons for for Gary
0: because, oh,
3: as you notice, he changed never changed he
1: changed. never answers a question. <laughs> yes or no? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, well, to, to be fair to Gary, I mean, as soon as it's a bit of a puff. A formidable chap. I mean, he, he apparently had uh, some kind of uh, triple heart bypass surgery, and someone was saying he's come back even tougher. Uh, he's a, he's mm-hmm. a frightening, a frightening man, and that that was a very, very funny moment on, on TV. Guys, were there any other uh, moments during the game that uh, are worthy of commentary? I mean, the the, the only thing that annoyed me
3: actually for, for both BBC and Sky's coverage was the atmosphere did not come across as as much as I mean. It was, I've never heard the people in the family stand shouting and singing and cheering as much as they do. Normally, when I start singing, they'll turn around and look at me. On Sunday, everybody was at it, and the atmosphere in that
1: place was rocking. Walter, one thing you do have to say about Ederson is that he he, he realises that he made a mistake, of course, for the penalty, but it doesn't really bother him. He's right back on it straight after. His head doesn't go down at all, does it?
0: Pep Guardiola's dream of the way we're playing he is as integral to that as any other player on the pitch. And a lot of it starts from him. I mean, that's why I wouldn't say any more things to say. This idea with this young keeper, and he's, he's, he's on contract with us till 2025. So, you know, this guy is just immense. You know, he's like a, an Alonso, you know, the way he just sprays the ball about, and that's how comfortable he is. And the way he passes, and his passes are perfect as well. I've never seen any keep a keeper pick as far with such a low trajectory ever. Uh, I think he's on the spectrum somewhere. I think uh, his happy face is exactly the same as his sad face. He's <laughs> just brilliant, and he's ours.
3: He only costs thirty million. <laughs> <laughs> we think he's brilliant. Friends, <laughs> makes, <laughs> the, the best, the best, I can, uh, the best compliment I can, pay Edison is Neil, who sits next one, next one seat to me. Last season, when Edison when we were playing about with the ball with the bat at the back. No, okay are oh, apoplectic I want to get rid of it stop doing that I want to get rid of it it <laughs> get rid of it stop <laughs> and yes uh, on Sunday we was saying oh, I'm not bothered I trust him now <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, that
0: comes because you're watching him week in week out and you can see what he does and you can you notice the crowd are a lot more uh, happy with City playing the ball around at the back now yeah. Uh, when, when we first started doing it, you know, you could hear a collective uh, squeaky bum time in the Etihad. But now people are just, yeah, that's it. You know, people go into the games a lot more relaxed. Have you found that? Yeah, yeah fresh, I, pressure.
3: I wasn't bothered at all about this game, as you were, as I said. Not one bit of nerves at all. The only time was when they had that little bit of pressure; they were getting those free kicks, and did they get a corner or two down at uh, in front of me down at, in one o nine when we were before we scored the third goal, was it? So that was the only time I felt a little bit nervous or concerned. But you know, you, you, you kind of knew at one point because then about four or five goes at getting the ball, getting the possession of the ball, and, and we kind of fluffed it, and uh, they were putting pressure on us. But that was the only time I felt. Remotely nervous,
1: and, and that you know, bench for Derby that, that really says something, Victoria. Who was your man of the match? It, it sounds like a stupid question, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. Oh, um, I'm gonna go with Fernandinho. T- tell me about that. I just, uh, you know, we've talked
2: about it before. The you know, what's the succession plan when he goes because he's just so consistent and so solid. Um, I just thought he had a, a fantastic game.
1: Let's let's ask the same question to David. Do you agree, or would you would you pick someone else?
3: Well, get these things are generally decided on 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 assists and goals. Uh, Bernardo had two assists, David one goal, but Fernandinho had more touches than any other player out there, considerably more. And they're, 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 that role is the understated role in a team. And yeah, he's going to be hard to replace, but I'm I'm sure, I'm pretty sure Peps on it.
1: Yeah, Colin, what would you think?
3: Uh, well, I'd like to say something different. I mean, the two silvers were absolutely wonderful, particularly Bernardo. But again, Fernandinho just stood out for me. And I said this at the time because he does two jobs and he does them both superbly. So he does a he does a Nigel De Jong defensive bit, Gareth Barry defensive bit. And Gary Barry was was a great player in in clearing his lines and, and making an intelligent pass. But Fernandinho does that and more. So so he's doing a bit at the back. Of, you know he's getting his foot in. I think twice he won the ball. Once he won the ball for the third goal initially. I think I think there was another one where he won the ball. There were a couple of other instances where we had good chances where he won the ball. And then in the one of the early chances we had. Or oh, the first chance, in the first couple of minutes, he played that wonderful ball to Bernardo. So it's not just about sitting at the back and breaking up opposition attacks. He's forward. And you know, and he's making passes that, that would put, you know, David Silver or Colin Bell to shame. And he's having let a go at goal himself.
2: Let us no, not it's forget. And, Pellegrini to thank
3: him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And perhaps we should make him fly goalie as well. And, you know, then he could do every <laughs> job on the
1: pitch. Well, Walter, who would you go for?
0: Well, it's a little bit. To be honest with you, it's a little bit like your favourite album, trying to choose your favourite track. And uh, at the game, it might have been one. When I watched it back, it'll be another. When I watched the highlights on Match of the Day, it's another. Which just shows to me the level that we're performing at. This is the uh, 11 players who were on the pitch. Um, there's a hair's breadth between them all because they were all fantastic. I mean, it used to be the days when we were, get- <laughs> when we were getting stuff there. Uh, you can pick uh, any one number of fifty teams, and Mansfield, we were all. It oh, <laughs> used to be the one that tried the hardest, but now you've got eleven players busting a gut with just supreme talent. So I wouldn't like to. I wouldn't like to pick out one, you know, just because it's like your favorite album. You want to listen to it from start to finish, and it's got eleven tracks on it, and they're the eleven players.
1: One guy who's in the news is uh, Pablo Zabaleta. He's announced his retirement at the end of the season. Uh, what do you think about that, Colin? Uh, should he come back to City in some kind of coaching other way? Oh, we'd,
3: we'd all love it, wouldn't we? I mean, I saw a tweet that says City 2025 or something like that, 2030. Assistant manager, Pablo Zabaleta. You know, coaches, David Silva, Sergio Aguero. And I think the plan is he's doing his coaching badges, of course. And um, I always, always wonder with Zab, is he too nice? I think you've got to be a bit of a bastard to be a manager. Well,
1: he didn't <laughs> look to be too nice on the pitch, did he? <laughs> no, no,
3: no. I think it's a, it's the right thing to retire. And the great thing is, the West Ham fans now love him in the same way that we love him. Uh, yeah. You know, they just recognise a warrior, don't they? Yeah, I'd love to have him, have him back at City. Uh, uh,
1: another uh, player, the a new, former player the new Another yeah. former player of ours who's in the news is uh, Samir Nasri. Apparently he's uh, thinking of... Uh, Rolling Up at West Ham, Walter. What do you yeah. think of that one? It be I was just getting the band back I mean. together.
0: <laughs> Chicago Records. Yeah, there. Where's your idea? <laughs> <one he says? laughs> I mean, the thing is with uh, Sami and Nasri. I mean, talk of him just signing until the end of the season. The talk of him wanting big wages. The fact that he's not fit. And he's going to get up. To, he's going to get up to speed. And the talk of the Chinese interests. I mean. If he doesn't go to West Ham and he goes off to China, that's his career dead anyway. He needs to be thinking about a last hurrah, as it were, and showcase his talent in one of the top leagues in the world. I mean, what I'm liking about the fact is now with a lot of these players retiring or coming up to retirement, is Manchester City, for the first time ever, we might have a decent representatives within the media now. You know, we might be getting Pablo Zabretta appearing constantly on Match of the Day or whatever, Sky Sports, but these players can feed through and just get rid of this scouts United nonsense that we have to put up with week mm-hmm. in, week out. I remember watching a Champions League game for City and it was three, count three X Man United players mm-hmm. with the ones with the pundits. And I'm thinking it's just wrong. So, whether he doesn't get a role back at City, I hope he moves back up this way and he just gets a job in the media. He doesn't get a job at City.
3: Well, I, th- I think the, the, the story seems to be he's going to spend a year in the media while he does his coaching badges to do anything he wants to do. He's, he's got all the attributes uh, to, to be whatever he wants to be. God bless him. I hope we, we find a role for him. Can't be a hair model.
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, we're heading into one of these interminable international breaks. Now, after we come back, we'll have to away Bournemouth and yeah. Watford, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, we'll,
3: when we played Bournemouth and Watford after United, we'll have played all the Europa League contenders, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> Who well, <you> are
2: naughty? Yes. <laughs>
1: Good <laughs>
2: nice. Okay.
1: Guys, we're, we're going to cap it off there. Unless anyone's got to anything else that they'd like to add, I think we'll probably wrap it up.
0: Take it, take it, take it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all day long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll, do
0: That'll do the John Dylan thing. Yeah, yep. there you go. That's all <laughs> Let's move on. Dick.
1: Okay, I've got some editing to do with Walter here.
0: <laughs> oh, no, leave that in. Leave yeah? He is a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah leave just John Dylan dick
1: okay guys let's wrap it up here and uh, say goodbye and thank you to our guests Uh, guys you've been listening to Walter Smith Walter thank you so much
0: that's my pleasure enjoy your wee blue bounce into work
1: and we've got Colin
3: Savage yeah uh, well it's been great it's never a hardship to talk about a derby victory particularly one against such a mediocre opponent
1: (laughs) Uh, you've also been listening to David Gregory. Always a pleasure. And David's daughter Victoria, Victoria Gregory, to everybody.
2: Thanks, everyone. And because it's an international break, I'm going to milk this result for another <laughs> couple of weeks.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, guys. We are on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podtail, Pod Paradise, Google Play Music, and many, many more of your favourite podcast apps. So until we speak to you again, have one of on us and up the blues. It's not really